Welcome to Strange Old World, the podcast where we delve into the planet's most historic places to discover their stranger sides. I'm Joe, and every fortnight I'll be talking to a different local expert in a different old world city and ask them to share their offbeat travel tips. Specifically, I'll ask them to pick one strange thing to see, one strange thing to do, one strange festival, one strange local food or drink, and so on. You get the idea. In this episode, we're talking about London. Founded as Londinium in 43 AD, it will celebrate its 2000th anniversary in my lifetime, provided I stop eating all those pork pies. So it's old, but why is it strange? To find out, I spoke to Will Noble, editor at Londonist. If you don't know, Londonist is a lifestyle website that's all about, well, London. It's the go-to place for articles on weird London landmarks or bizarre bits of local history. So who better to talk to for this episode than its editor, Will? Also, to be honest, it helps that he's an old friend. I began the interview pretending I didn't already know his background, but as you'll hear, that facade quickly crumbles. In this episode, we'll discuss all sorts of strange London attractions, from Amy Winehouse's preserved poo to a clown church service. Fair warning, there's a bit of bad language. If you miss anything, all of Will's picks are up on our website, strangeoldworld.com, and stick around at the end for my favourite strange attraction in London. Okay, enough waffle. Here we go. So, welcome to the podcast, Will Noble, features editor at Londonist, a self-confessed London geek and expert, and an author on an upcoming book on Croydon titled TBD. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was catchy. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> okay, so um, first of all, you know, tell me about your connection to London. Are you originally from there? I'm not from London. I'm from uh, I'm from Suffolk near Barry St Edmunds. I don't I don't really have a a connection to London as such. It's just a place that I was always fascinated with as a kid. Like when I went on, you know, day trips with the parents, going going to the big museums. I I always felt like I wanted to to live there one day. That was kind of the that was the big aim. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be there. Okay, and when did you move there? So I first moved there after after, after university. Um, so that was uh, two thousand and eight. Um, at that point, yeah, I didn't have a plan. So really, like, I, I was just just going to live in London. So I was my first job in London was was working in a in a cake shop um, on Tottenham Court Road, which is slightly random. And then and then I ended up working for a company which was a very strange company, which is like uh, I think the the CEO had had a lot of money and a lot of investors, but didn't really know what was going on. So it was kind of a cross between Facebook and Spotify, two things that already existed. Anyway, that that didn't work out. But then I had a a, a second run at London um, after after living in Prague, um, 2013, and I thought I'm going to give it another go. At this point, I was I was freelancing, and and this time I had managed to to make it stick. So yeah. Excellent. You lived in Prague. How long were you in Prague for? I was in Prague for a year. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to pretend I don't know that. <laughs> uh, I might have bumped I, into you once. Yeah, or twice. we might have bumped into you once. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so how did you end up writing about London for work? Like, how did that become your job? That's a good question. I mean, basically. Um, so I mean, writing is writing was always something that I wanted to do. So um, as you may also know, I studied script writing at, at university. Um, yeah. Um, so when I when I got to when I got to London, um, I started going to various talks and and whatnot. 
And there was a guy called uh, Matt Brown from a, a publication called Londonist, um, and he was he was doing a talk. It was it was really fascinating. For the life of me, I can't remember what it was about. It was that fascinating, wow. but he was he was brilliant. I was like, I kind of want to do what this guy does. This looks pretty cool. Unfortunately, I, I'm pretty. I don't really like approaching people. I'm quite shy. But I, I was with a friend called Gemma, and she basically said, "Oh, this is silly. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and talk to him." And so, and she basically said, "My mate really liked what you're doing. Um, he's wondering if there's any chance, you know, he could write anything for Londonist." And Matt said, "Yeah, yeah, just get him to like, you know, drop me an email, or whatever." So I basically sent a pitch. And uh, Matt said, yeah, all right, we'll run it. Um, and-, and based on what? Because I assume you didn't just assume that anyone who sells cakes is good at writing articles <laughs> on London. Like, had you previously done any? I had a, I had a portfolio um, uh, of, of some descriptions. So I, I, I'd like, for instance... Um, when I was at university in Bournemouth, I wrote quite a few articles for Bournemouth Echo. Um, I started off work experience, and then I just kept doing it. So I was kind of doing music reviews and film reviews. Yeah, that's that's always handy to have. So I had a little a little arsenal of of writing examples, um, and I also had a pitch that he, that, that he quite liked as well. And he later told me, he actually told me recently. Um, he said I was actually quite annoyed because I was I'd just come up with that idea as well and I was about to write that but <laughs> ah, so he basically had to take you on so you didn't you didn't sue him yeah for nicking your ideas exactly so for those that don't know Londonist is well how would you describe it like a lifestyle magazine for people in London you have features on uh on food and drink on events in the city on random aspects well, why don't you give us a couple of examples of, of articles you've done so people get a sense of what the publication is well uh, as far as food and drink is concerned um one of the, one of the most recent articles I wrote was a list of every single brewery tap room in London there everyone were, how many everyone <laughs> I think I didn't. You know what? I never actually counted. Um, I think it's probably about 120. I've been I've been to quite a few of those. I haven't been to every single one, but I'm sort of trying to change that. We do a lot of history and um, sort of you know hidden bits of London. So, for in- instance, recently I was writing a piece about the the Roman bath on which is just off the off the Strand, and that's that's kind of a fascinating bit of history in that um, it's this little bath which I think in, in Victorian times the Victorians decided that it was um an old roman bath and it even appears in david copperfield i think um as as a roman bath so people sort of taking it as uh, taking it as read that it is roman but it actually it actually dates back to something like the 17th century um and it's kind of some sort of feeder tank for an incredible fountain that they used to have at somerset house but it's, it's just funny how these stories kind of change over time um and, and sort of you know people come up with their own versions of history there, there are so many of these, you know, tiny little hidden, hidden bits in London. It's, it's almost, it's almost endless. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the strange parts of London, just give me an overall sense. Like, what is it that you love about London? Why is it? I mean, I think as far as you're concerned, it's the best place in the world to live, right? Why yeah, is it's endless. It's, it's not just, you know, it's not just one place. It's, it's many, many different places. So you can have a different experience. Um, you know, every time you go out, you can have a totally different experience you can go you can go to the west end you can see some of the best shows in the world or you can go to to Hampstead and feel like you're in some sort of you know beautiful village um it, it really that you know it really is endless the sort of experiences uh that you can have there I would say one of the great things about London I was having this conversation with a, a French friend the other day and he was, he was you know he was saying that um 
culture is very it can be very affordable in london so for instance i was at a show the other night a west end show um accidental death of an anarchist uh, really good uh, tom basden uh, oh, okay. Great, great comedy writer. Tom yeah, so it was kind of some show that he'd adapted um, from. It was like originally a nineteen seventies play, and he'd adapted it. It was an incredible play. The point <laughs> is that it cost me fifteen pounds for a ticket. Uh, I was up, yeah, up in the up in the balcony. But you, the the fact you can go and watch a show like that for as cheap as fifteen pounds is amazing. On the same night, I was umming and ahhing because I'd also had an invite to go to the proms. Um, to see, uh, I think it was like a Leonard Bernstein West Side Story prompt. Uh, those tickets were eight pounds. So it's kind of, you know, wow. it is, and obviously you've got all of the, the free museums as well, famously. So I think um, if you're savvy, London, yeah, London is not a cheap place, generally speaking. But I was going to say, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, culture is cheap. It's a shame about everything else. Yeah, I mean, a pint, I can't afford uh, a pint of beer anymore, but that's why I go to tap rooms. It's cheaper, it's cheaper <laughs> from the source. Time to move on to the meat of this puppy. Let's That's a lovely phrase. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's uh, delve into the weird and wonderful side of London with some of your personal recommendations of highlights. Uh, let's start with a strange thing to see in London. So I think this is actually probably one of the most... Like, L- London has an incredible array of museums and there are lots of... There are lots of niche, very niche ones. So there's like, well, there's a British Dental Association Museum where you can go and see old teeth. Um, <laughs> there's there's the musical museum. And that's just British teeth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Old teeth. Yeah. <laughs> It, the musical museum in Kew, there, there's an array of like self-playing instruments. Um, there's so much, um, so much interesting stuff out there museum-wise. I think possibly the most obvious one, uh, which I've gone for, is um, it's called the Last Tuesday Society. It's a place in in Hackney, um, and it's kind of like a little. It almost looks like a little boutique shop, but you go down into the basement, and it's this. Is it a, a, a wonder cabinet or something? It's basically curated by a guy called Victor Wind. Um, who is this sort of mysterious presence and it's got the strangest stuff that there but everything is um, sort of bundled together there's no real curation so you have stuff like a double-headed goat there's a jar of Amy Winehouse's shit which is like you know a little bit <laughs> little okay. bit random um, was that donated or uh, I think extracted? I, <laughs> I think it was probably donated I yeah. hope so um, there's, there's also I mean I'm of- a magic of all the shits <laughs> I can imagine Amy Winehouse. That's an interesting uh, cocktail. That's the one. That's, that's yeah. I think they might. It might have Kylie's as well. I'm not sure. Um, oh, Ky- oh, Kylie's would be yeah. a lovely little shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little rabbit droppings. Yeah. Um, so it's um, what else has it got down there? Stuff like um, Happy Meal toys, um, Dodo bones. It really is this this really strange collection of stuff. I guess it's just things that, that it's it's weird and wonderful, but it is um, it's very trippy. But Last Tuesday Society is kind of a whole a whole kind of like mini enterprise. So if you go upstairs, they've got an absinthe parlour, you know, loads of absinthe cocktails you can have. And they also do stuff like taxidermy classes and seances and things like this. Um, so it's kind of, a, it's a little bit occulty or whatever, but it, um, for, for people looking for something weird and wonderful, I, I think that's the first museum to go to. There's a lot going on there. That sounds amazing. I've never heard of that. How about a strange thing to do 
this is something that I, ha- I haven't actually done personally. I mean, most of the stuff I have, but uh, it's a company called Wildlife Drawing. And it's basically, so if you imagine life drawing, um, but it's kind of with, with wild animals. So the, I think like the most the most interesting one, you could, I suppose animals are kind of naked. Yeah, you know, they tend to be anyway. But you've, um, yeah, so- well, But not shaved. I assume <laughs> just kind of I think that might be natural. yeah I'm, I'm not sure how, what, how wild what they have stuff like micro pigs and um, snakes and things like this but probably the most interesting thing that they have is wolves and so you basically go into this it's it's a hotel but it's an old town hall so it's basically kind of, I think it's an old council chamber or something so it looks like a courtroom and you basically have a pack of a pack of wolves I think they're actually like wolf dogs or some sort of hybrid but they 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 you know they look exactly like wolves um and people go in there and draw them which is which is quite a cool thing to do there's one and one of the wolves is called james bond <laughs> because he's like very suave looking <laughs> he's a very cool looking wolf like he, he looks like a james bond okay so let's talk about some strange festival or event uh, again, like London's got loads and loads, but I'll, I'll give you one here. There was a guy called Joseph Grimaldi. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's the uh, circus clown guy, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, he basically, he is like the godfather of clowning. So uh, there were clowns before him, but people kind of credit him with creating the modern day um, clown, including stuff like Whiteface. Um, he, he invented that. <laughs> Um, that, that, that that's a, the best. Uh, that, that's the better kind of yeah, face to it. Definitely of, yeah. the, of the two. Of, <laughs> that's the one you don't mind being credited with. So yeah, he basically, um, you know, he was around in sort of late 18th, early 19th century, and he was. I think he, he spent a lot of time performing at Sadler's Wells, stuff like this. But he was basically beloved. He was a he was a Londoner, and he was you know people loved him because it was this this new thing, and it was you know he was hilarious. Now um, he died uh, as you know. He, he would do. He was around in the 18th century. Every year now in a church in Hackney, I think it's it's some sometime in February. There's the um, Grimaldi Clown Church service, where basically clowns from around the country come come into the church. Um, they file into the church. So they're all sort of you know doing their um, blowing bubbles or whatever, or like getting out of a getting out of the car. <laughs> like, you know, 17 of them getting out of the car at the same time. <laughs> It's, it's it's quite a spectacle. Um, the great thing is it's it's open to the public. It's pretty popular. Just to dress up? Uh, no, no, you don't have to dress okay. up at all. I guess you can do. And you go in there, and they have a church. They have a church service. It's it's for Joseph Camaldi, um, but it's it's quite touching in places because they're remembering clowns that they've lost like over the last year. Like you, like literally, you have a clown doing a sermon. I remember this from when I went. There was a clown doing a sermon. And he was, he was making a balloon dog while he was doing the sermon. And that was really, it was really quite touching. Um, I was quite hungover and I was, I found it really quite freaky. It was like, don't go with a hangover. But it's, it is actually quite a beautiful service. And I think afterwards they put on a show for the kids. So it's like, it's really kid friendly. It's slightly weird, and it is slightly. If obviously, if you're what's the word, cholerophobic or whatever, you, it's, it's your worst nightmare. But it, it really is quite fun and bizarre and it, it only happens once a year uh, that is amazing I 100% want to go and see that <laughs> so next up uh, some strange food or drink so I've gone with something which is both food and drink um, <laughs> it's yogurt <laughs> 
Yeah, yogurt. Um, uh, how did you know? <laughs> Muller fruit corner. <laughs> um, there's there's a cocktail bar. Um, it's called the Bar with No Name, but it's also on 69 Cobbett Row. Uh, so people call it that. It's actually very close to Boris Johnson's house, or or maybe where he used to live. So if you ever see those those videos of Boris Johnson like jogging out of a nice townhouse in London, it's it's right next to this cocktail bar. So I'm not sure okay. if he's still there. So or not. for all the Bojo fans out there. <laughs> yeah. This is where to go. Yeah. So they, they kind of, um, they, they have a cocktail, um, but it's, it's kind of cocktail, it's kind of not. It's called a prairie oyster. Um, so a prairie oyster, generally speaking, is... right? A buffalo testicle or something? No, I don't think so. I don't I'm know sure that's a thing. Are you getting In America, I'm sure they call it prairie oysters, are uh, buffalo testicles. Have I made that up? Yeah. Did so, I just dream that? I think. Uh, well, we'll, we'll find okay. It. Let's let's forget that bit. You, you tell me what a prairie oyster. Well, is. Well, I think traditionally a prairie oyster is basically it's like a hair of the dog. So it's it's like an egg yolk with like loads of Tabasco or hot sauce, and you knock it back. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at this bar in Colbert Row, they've kind of invented a take on it. So it's kind of they've kind of created an egg yolk, but it's out of a kind of tomato skin and then it's kind of like full of stuff like it's got horseradish vodka, it's got sherry, it's got some it's I think it's got some little shallots in there as well. So and then they put it inside an actual oyster shell. So it's kind of a um it's kind of a cocktail of sorts, but you you kind of knock it back like you would an oyster and it kind of explodes in your mouth. Um like an oyster. Like, well, do oysters explode? I think you've got a bad... If it's exploding, it's a bad oyster. My oyster knowledge knowledge is really coming under fire. It's actually, I'd say, a bit of a classic London cocktail. And it is is delicious. And it's a little bit bit different. So, yeah, get the prairie oyster from the bar with no name. Okay, so uh, in London... Are there any strange myths or legends or, you know, odd slices of history you can tell me about? I've kind of gone, like, a little bit off-piste with this. I mean, mm-hmm. there are lots of legends, obviously. So, you, you know, the most famous one is Tower of London and and the um, the ravens, you know, if they leave, then, then the city will fall. Yeah. There's, there's a similar legend, which you've got some um, lion heads on the on the south bank. The legend is, if the lions drink, London will sink. The water it's, level, always, it's always a better... Oh, when it rhymes, when it rhymes, like you take it, you take it yeah. more seriously. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the water let sometimes does hit the lions, and London hasn't sunk yet. So I'm not sure about not sure about that one. What I've gone with here um, is something that I think will become a legend or a myth at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, it's actually real life. If you go to Barnes, um, which is in 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 West London, um, on the first of of any month, apart from September. If you, if you walk along the road, so if you turn left out of the station, walk along the road um, along the Thames, within a couple of minutes, if you're there between 7am and 8am, you will see a giant white rabbit in a waistcoat sitting on the wall and waving at the traffic. This is a guy called Spike McClarity, um, really? and he is, he is a, he's a performance artist, but he takes it quite seriously so basically he's been dressing up as this white rabbit since I think 2011 he was I think he was originally doing it in France and he was kind of walking walking around Paris um, and then people were, were coming up to him asking him for photos and stuff and I think he quite liked it so he, he lives in Barnes and he, and he came back and he started he started to begin with I think like in London he was just wandering around London dressed as a white rabbit and he said like sometimes I think he would just like 
have a few drinks, put on, put on the, the rabbit <laughs> costume and then just like walk into a pub or something. <laughs> so I think it's great. These days, if you go at 7am every first of the month, he will be there waving at the traffic. And it's quite a sight because you get all these cars sort of slowing down, beeping their horns. Some people know, they, they, they now know, they expect it. Um, some people are kind of like, you know, what, what the hell's going on? So I, I went a few months ago to, to meet him and I sat on the wall and waved at the traffic. It's, it's something like, you would not usually do but you know i think he welcomes people to join and you can go and sit with him and wave if you mm-hmm. want um but it was lovely because like an old woman came to the window and sort of like did did a little dance thumbs up and he's like yeah she always uh you know she, she does that every month so it means something to people i think obviously one day he's been doing it for a long time now one day he's not he won't be doing it anymore and i, I think that will become this legend unless someone continues it it will be a legend of the white rabbit of barnes and it's like mm. people will be like did i guess i guess they'll know that it they'll know that it did happen because of social media and stuff but it's kind of i just think that is like this little bit of magic in london you know i guess especially for kids but the funny thing is he said to me like the van the van driving blokes are the, are the people who who love it the most mm-hmm. um and he's like um i don't know why that is i think it's because they can go down the pub and you know say you won't believe what i saw today but they they absolutely love it but yeah it's just this weird little thing in london and he doesn't he's not there in september um, yeah, because, why is it? I was wondering why he's anti-September. Uh, he, this, he's he's holy. No, he goes and does it in a in a village in Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Any more detail on that, or just? I it's just, I think it's just a it's a long running commitment. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the diary. You know how it is. Add infinitum. <laughs> I'll ask you for your stranger danger. So these are like the customs. Tourists, people that visit London, uh, that the locals might find strange. I, I guess, I guess the the biggest faux pas of, of the the tourist in in London is is um, standing on the left hand side of the escalators. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Londoners like really don't don't stand for that. I think they're I think they're, they're stand on the left. For Londoners it. are pretty polite generally. I know they get a bad rap, but. Um, if you stand on the left of an escalator, you will you will have someone like within seconds, someone's gonna like push you back over to the other side. Um, so I think I think that's the I think that's the main one. Yeah, weirdly, I've I've had a couple of when people talk about the Americans, like people have a very generic idea of Americans in London. Um, but recently, I did get someone, an American, come up to me and say, um, like, "Excuse me, uh, how do I get to London Bridge?" And I, I was like. Do you mean Tower Bridge? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the problem is with that, he was he'd be you know, London Bridge and, and Tower Bridge are next to each other, so we were equidistant between the two. So maybe he did mean London Bridge, and so I sent, sent him, him literally in the wrong direction. Wrong way. Yeah. I mean, it's the right choice if you're going to go and see a bridge. Yeah, London Bridge is uh, it's kind of nothing, isn't it? It is Concrete now. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. We flogged it. Flogged it to some. Is that true? It's like a, it yeah. wasn't like an American guy bought it and rebuilt it in it's in the state somewhere, isn't it? It's in Arizona, and there's an incredible video um, to sort of market the whole thing. There's like a 50 minute film um, starring all these weird and wonderful people, including Terry Thomas and Tom Jones, and mm-hmm. it's basically like this really strange musical where they get on like a magic bus and. They go from London to uh, to, to Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, it's it's uh-huh. worth it's worth watching. Well, I think the story was that the guy thought he was buying the yeah. old London Bridge, which is the one with all the markets and stuff 
Is that the Pont... Not Ponte Vecchio. What's the bridge in... Uh, yeah. Is it Ponte Vecchio with, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. with all the buildings on the side of it? I don't think that's... Well, the other the other one is that he thought he was buying Tower Bridge. Right, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think either of those are true. I think you, if you're going to buy a bridge, you usually you'd go over and, and have a and look check at it, it first. Okay, so let's move a little bit outside of London. Can you recommend a strange day trip? Yeah, so... Uh, Ramsgate, a nice little seaside town. Got Which some... side of London? Where are we going? Uh, so you'll go for you'll go from St Pancras. I think it's about an hour and twenty from St Pancras, and you're basically down on the Kent coast, um, south or east. So, uh, well, s- southeast is it? <laughs> it's near it's near Margate, isn't it? Okay. I think, yeah, it's it's just a little along the coast from Margate. Mm-hmm. So I mean, pre- everyone who listens to this will know where Margate is, so that's fine. That's all the information they need. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, so it's, a good, it's a great little town, beautiful beach. It's also got a fantastic, uh, really nice weather spoon, so it's, it's literally on the <laughs> beach. However, what what's really interesting in Ramsgate, for me, is the Ramsgate tunnels. I don't know if you've heard of these. No. So I think it was like in the Victorian era, building obviously lots of train tracks. And one of these, they decided to bore through the cliffs um, and have the train like arrive basically on the beach, which is pretty cool. Um, so there's all these wonderful photos of like, you know, steam trains sort of like right next to the beach. And then you've got people in there, uh, what are they called? The huts that, that you get on the beach. Oh, like the Victorian so, changing huts. Yeah. yeah. They're like really beautiful. At some point they decided, I, I think, I don't know if they built the current Ramsgate um, station or what, but anyway, they kind of, um, they closed that down. They then turned that the tunnels that had been created into like a theme park. It was called Merry England, but it had all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. So you'd go around on a little train, almost like a little ghost train, but you'd go through all these villages around the world and they had crazy stuff like um, chimps riding bicycles. I don't know what country that represents, <laughs> <laughs> but it was all that stuff where you, you look at it now and you go, oh my, oh my goodness. And I'm sure there was lots of politically incorrect stuff as well, but quite a fascinating um, history there. Then Second World War came and they obviously, Ramsgate had already had a bad time in the First World War, I think, getting hit by Zeppelins and stuff. They turned it into a huge kind of air raid shelter but it was more than that because they they basically turned it into like a town inside the cliffs and so people kind of you know they like put up blankets and sheets um and sort of created their own like little living rooms or whatever or bedrooms um you had like there was like a barber down there who cut your hair they had children's christmas parties down there it was this subterranean town churchill was visiting ramsgate um when there was an air raid siren and he yeah he went in there the mayor at the time told him to put out his cigar it was like you know even <laughs> even churchill had to put out his cigar come on, churchill. strictly not yeah <laughs> come on mate we put a whole bloody tunnel that way put out put out your cigar mate <laughs> So you can now go in those tunnels. They're a tourist attraction. They're absolutely fascinating. And they go in really deep. So they've got bits and bobs of the theme park are still there. They've got sort of models of what the railway used to look like. And they've also set up uh, sort of examples of what it would have looked like during during the war. And they kind of take you in there, go in there really, really deep. And they, you know, turn off the torch and it's absolutely pitch black. And it's it's really incredible experience. Um, and it's, it's right on, you know, it's right on the beach. Um, it's right in the centre of Ramsgate. If you ever go to Ramsgate, you have to do that. But I think it's actually worth a day trip from London in itself just to do that. And then go Weatherspoons. <laughs> go Weatherspoons. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that sounds great. Mind the gap. 
Now if you can give me some straight-up recommendations for London, things you would recommend for any tourist. So I think a great way to get to know London is by doing a walking tour. There are hundreds and hundreds of different guided tours of London you can do. A couple that I would really recommend, um, Look Up London, um, walking tours by um, someone called Katie Wignall. Uh, she's absolutely fantastic. She kind of takes you into the, the nooks and crannies of, of the city. So, for example, there's there's one where she'll take you into the pocket gardens in the city of London. What she, pocket gardens? Just, well, just small gardens, really, oh, some hidden gardens. So there's St Dunstan in the east, which is the... Um, it's kind of become... A little bit famous now, but it's uh, sort of you know ruins of a of a wren church, which have been turned into a beautiful garden. Um, she also does a feminist Jack the Ripper tour, which um, sort of you know puts the twist on your usual kind of Whitechapel Jack the Ripper experience, um, and sort of focuses on the on the victims and sort of you know all the the social implications of the time and everything. So that definitely recommend that. Um, Black History Walks, another one um, where they do uh, lots of lots of different walks and experiences around London. Um, so one of them, for example, focuses on black presence in in art in Tate Britain um, and how that's kind of changed over over time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting one. There's also they also have a Theatreland walk, uh, which which talks about the various artists and musicians and magicians um, from, from the black community over. A century, so I'd, I'd highly recommend that one too. There's also Derelict London, which is a guy guy called Paul Talling who will some some of the tours that he does are absolutely epic. They last sort of seven hours, and oh he'll take God. you. Yeah, but it's worth. It's brilliant. Um, it's absolutely. I mean, it doesn't brilliant. sound brilliant. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of hard work. I'm, sh- I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sure they're amazing, but seven hours. Yes, take a take you know take a couple of bananas or something. Take a energy, but it's um, he'll take you into um, all the the off piste parts of of London. Maybe not your average kind of tour. Um, my final thing, really, if it's a very, very obvious recommendation, but I'm I'm not ashamed to recommend it. Uh, Gordon's Wine Bar is Great. is my favourite bar in London. For people who don't know it, it's it's actually very close to Trafalgar Square, Charing Cross. Um, it's a wonderful little subterranean wine bar. They only serve wine there. It's uh, lit by candlelight, and it's it's a lovely little slice of history. Um, as long as you drink, as, as long as you like wine, it's the quintessential London experience. So why should people visit London now? What's happening particularly right now or what's coming up in the near future? There have been a lot of uh, museums either opening or reopening this year. Um, so it's been a bit of a golden year for that. So, for instance, um, uh, the, the V&A Museum of Childhood uh, have reopened mm-hmm. as, as the Young V&A. That's a, that's a free museum in, in Bethnal Green. And they've made it a lot more interactive for kids. It's a lot more kid-friendly. It used to be sort of old toys in glass cases. Yeah, I took my niece and nephews there years ago and it was a yeah. little bit disappointing in terms of appealing to kids. Yes. So they've made that a bit was, more interesting now. It's, it's a lot more hands-on and it's it looks it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, another museum that, that, that reopened this year was the Hunterian, uh, which is just across the square from John Soames. Um, it's... It's kind of the collection of a guy called John Hunter, who was kind of a, a renowned surgeon. Um, and he collected all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. A lot of it, you know, kind of seems quite gruesome, like pick, pickled bits and bobs. And I think there's Charles Babbage's brain. It, Charles it, Babbage, the computer yes. guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you, you know, you want to have your breakfast first, but it is like, it's, it is really quite fascinating. And, you know, obviously there's a, you might see it as a bit gory and whatever, but, you know, at the time this was really important research that was being done, you know. Apparently he, like, died by accidentally, like, giving himself syphilis. 
and uh, yeah, not a great way to go. Last but not least, just to end on a strange note, what's the strangest sight you've seen anywhere else in the world? A few years ago, I was in Basel, um, which is um, an interesting place uh, in Switzerland. You've probably been, I imagine. I've been to Basel. You've been everywhere. Um, but I went in the summer, um, and there's just this incredible spectacle of just hundreds of people jumping in the river, and they get carried down the river in the current. And so that's kind of like part of it. So they basically got these of like these little waterproof pouches where they put their their phones and wallets and whatnot. They chuck these pouches into the river, which just start moving uh, uh, downstream. And then um, they jump in after. And uh, so you just got a sight of like hundreds of people being sort of like carried down this. I like a good swim and that's probably the most memorable swim I've had. That was fantastic. Oh, you took part in it? Yeah, yeah, I jumped in. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. So is it a race or is it just... No, it's just fun. what people do it's in the sticks. summer. Human it's poo not, it's not, Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you just got to dodge the odd tanker coming down the middle of the, yeah. of the river and you're good. There you have it, Strange Old London, done. A big thanks to Will for his recommendations. The Grimaldi Clown Church service in particular sounds brilliant. If you fancy going, it's on the first Sunday in February. Remember, all Will's picks are now up on our website, strangeoldworld.com, along with a map to help you find them. You can also check out Will's latest articles at londonist.com. And if you're so inclined, you can follow me, at strangeoldjoe, on Twitter, slash X, and Instagram. Before I go, I said I'd offer up a strange London pick of my own. So here it is, the secret Masonic temple in the Andaz Hotel on Liverpool Street. I went a few years ago during the Open House Festival and it's beautiful but bizarre. This opulent temple with marble floors and gold thrones and an amazing ceiling with a giant star pointing to zodiac signs. It's weird. It's often closed for events, so check online before you visit. And if you can't make it work, jump on the tube to Hoban and visit the Freemasons Hall instead. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time to discover the stranger side of another old world city. The music is by William King and this was a junior productions production.